his life. That his life is now lived for you. And Father, we give you the thanks. And now as he comes to bring your message to us this morning, we pray that as with the, as with the prophets of old, you touch his lips with coals of fire. That the words that we hear will be your words. Even though they're Stevie's, it's Stevie's voice, it's your word that we need to hear this morning. Make us attentive. Open our ears. Open our eyes. Above all, open our minds. We can take it in. Father, we thank you again. We thank you for your word. Thank you for Stevie. Amen. <coughs> Nat's just going to read the passage to us uh, this morning. We're reading from John chapter 15, and it's verses 1 to 17. John chapter 15, the vine and the branches. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Thanks, Nat. So, um, well, good morning. We're going to talk this morning about gardening. Um, we can link this passage to gardening, aren't we? We want to learn from scriptures and we want to apply it to our lives. And sometimes we need help remembering what we've spoken about. Sometimes we'll go away during the week and we'll forget what the sermon was on a Sunday. 
So uh, as we link this to gardening, hopefully we'll, we'll remember because we all have to do it. Well, most of us do. Some, some, some of us have to help our parents out to uh, garden. Um, some people probably more than likely uh, do gardening as a hobby. I know I don't. I, I do it just because I have to. <laughs> um, you know, we want to look out of our window. We want to see nice, a nice, tidy garden, don't we? We feed and we water our plants, and we expect good results from our plants. And so does God. He's given us his word, which feeds us, and he wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to have the same results we expect from our plants in our gardens. I'm blessed in my house because uh, the previous owner was a gardener and she looked after the garden quite well. So there's not a lot I have to do. I just have to uh, do some pruning. I get rid of some of the dead branches and just tidy up everyone again. <coughs> so when we're out and about during the week. We can see nature everywhere. There's things growing everywhere. There's weeds, there's flowers, there's trees and the grass. And I think it'll be helpful as we go round our daily lives, we can see these things and remember this passage that we've read this morning. And hopefully we can learn together what this passage means and we can remember and apply it to our lives as we look around. So to set the scene, uh, the, the author, the Apostle John, records Jesus' last words. These are all Jesus' words. In my Bible, it's all red because it's Jesus' words. Uh, That's his last week on earth. It's the day before he's to be crucified. Why is he going to be crucified? Well, we all know, don't we? We've all done things wrong. And Jesus, is, uh, Jesus came to the world to pay the cost for our sins. <clears throat> so Jesus is going to leave his disciples and he's given them some final instructions. These verses are all his words. He's in the upper room with his disciples and he wanted to comfort them as he knew it was going to be difficult for his disciples as he leaves them behind. They will soon be sheep without sheep. They will soon be like sheep without a shepherd. And he's going to be betrayed by Judas. We'll remember that later on. We'll have a look at that. John 18 tells us that Jesus, Judas, betrays Jesus. In these verses, we can see the triune God, the three in one. We'll be looking at God, who is the gardener in this, verse, in this passage. We'll be looking at Jesus, who is the vine, and also the spirit, the helper, our helper, helps us bear fruit. If we take one of these away, it doesn't work. You know, without God, without, no, there's no, without, gar without a gardener, there's no pruning. Without Jesus, there's no vine. And there's no growing without the spirit. And there's no reward. It would just be a vine. And also we can look at what this passage means to us. So in verse 1 we read, I am. We read in John's Gospel, there's seven statements of I am. We've got I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth and the life. And in this passage, I am the true vine. These two small words, I am, they open up into a big meaning. And these seven statements show us Christ's deity. He's not just Jesus, he's the Son of God. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords, and he's our Saviour. 
He says in verse 1, I am the true vine. He doesn't say, I am a vine, or I am the vine, I am the true vine. And there are other vines, you know, we, we don't just uh, follow, some. we don't just follow Jesus, you know, Jesus being the vine, we don't, we don't, there are other vines that we, we get caught up in. There's other worldly vines which take, take us all over the place. And instead of following Jesus, we, we get deceived and we follow other vines. We, we follow worldly things and we cling to the wrong things and we look for fruit in the wrong places. We look for meanings of life in the wrong places instead of clinging on to Jesus and allowing him to take control of our lives. <clears throat> to commit to following him and to take from him what he offers the real meaning of life a relationship with God our creator these worldly things we get caught up in are great they help us get through life but they'll soon disappear won't they you know we look to uh, we get caught up in, in in pop stars we look at pop stars and we worship them too much we we, we get involved in watching TV series and we, we, we spend time watching them instead of spending time with Jesus. We look at uh, getting the best career. We want to get more money. We want a bigger house. We want a better car. These are all great. You know, we want the latest phone, but they're not going to last forever, are they? You know, we all, we, we, all, we, all, we all want better things, don't we? We all want bigger, nice cars and bigger houses, but they're not going to last forever. So we look for something that's missing in our lives. We look for something to fill that, that gap that's missing. I was doing an, uh, a jigsaw puzzle yesterday with Abigail and there was a piece missing and we couldn't find it anywhere. And just like we look for the thing that's missing in our lives, we look in the wrong places, don't we? And I was looking in the wrong place for this jigsaw piece because, well, I still couldn't find it. <laughs> so as we look at God in this passage, we see that God in verse 1, it says, My father is the vine dresser or the land worker or the farmer or the gardener. So what does a gardener do? Well, in my case, not a lot. Um, I kill stuff. <laughs> We're not very good in our house at uh, keeping plants alive. Um, it was quite funny. We noticed the other day we've got a plant on our windowsill and it's got nice pink flowers coming along. And don't know how that's happened because you know, we're not very good at looking plants, look, looking after plants. Um, but yeah, it was it's amazing that it's still alive, really. <laughs> so what's the role of what's God's role in this passage? Well, God through Christ is working with the branches. See, there's two kind of branches. There's full ones. And there's dead ones. He takes away branches which aren't bearing fruit. It says that in verse 2. Every branch that does not bear fruit, fruit takes away. <clears throat> he cuts them off. We can relate his will to our lives. If we have a garden, we do gardening. We take bad stuff away. We get rid of it. We take it to the tip or we burn it. We want our gardens to look nice, don't we? So we get rid of the rubbish and we take it away. God wants us to bear fruit so others can see he lives in us. People should see through our actions and through our words and not by getting involved in foolish things that we are good, that we are different good. 
and people will want to know why. So we need to get rid of things in our lives that stop us from being fruitful. One day there'll be no worldly desires, no clinging on to pointless stuff. Jesus will one day return and take with him all who love and obey him, all who are born again. John chapter 3 tells us that we must be born again. Also in verse 2, as well as cutting away, he prunes. We prune in the garden, aren't we, to help things grow, to help trees bear fruit. In the same way, God prunes us. He can show us what we need to take away out of our lives. The things which are getting in the way, which are stopping us from growing and stop us from bearing fruit. He prunes that we bear more fruit. Are we bearing fruit? Or do we need to ask God to show us how to be more fruitful? Do we need to ask him what his will is for our lives? Can we recognise God's pruning in our lives? Have we stopped doing or saying things which has given us more time to spend with God? In my life, I, I used to spend a lot of time scrolling internet for cars that I could buy and do up and sell. And it was taking up time, pointless time, that I didn't need to do. So I stopped doing it. I started spending time with God's word and asking God what I can do for him instead. And then, as Ray's always mentioned, football. And I don't think it was God that made my football team go bust. Um, not just for my benefit. I can't see that he would do that, but it, it opened my eyes, you know. I was always checking on the football, and I'd spend a lot of time looking at different football results. And when my football team went bust, I was just like, I'm not interested anymore. So I stopped, I stopped looking, I stopped following football, um, and I started spending more time with God. Now, I'm not saying I've stopped doing it altogether. I still do spend some time, you know, I enjoy watching football and I enjoy looking at seeing what's going on. So I don't stop. I'm not saying we need to stop everything altogether. I'm saying that we should uh, spend, make sure we're spending enough time with God. Why do we need to bear fruit? Why should we want to bear fruit? Verse 8 tells us, Jesus says that it's so that my Father will be glorified. Through our faith, through our words, our actions, God will be glorified. Sometimes where words don't work, we can show our faith by being faithful to God. Even when things are going wrong, we don't understand why bad things are happening why they're happening to us or to our families. But we still pray, we still come to church and we read God's word. We're still faithful. And through our faith, people will see that Jesus, that's what we want. Through our faith, people will see Jesus is alive. Because that's what we want, isn't it? We want others to see that Jesus is alive. Some people's nearest encounter with God, with Jesus, will be with us. They will see by our faith and how we live that he is alive. Don't be discouraged this morning if you're feeling fruitless. Maybe you're thinking, well, I'm, I don't really feel like I'm, I'm, fruit, I'm being fruitful. But maybe God's pruning you. Whoever you are or however you feel, hold on to the fact that Jesus is the vine. If you hold on to him and spend time with him, you will bear fruit. Let's have a look at verse 2. Um, again, it says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. 
bearing fruit, it's not optional. It's the result of being obedient to God's word. Just like a branch on its own is useless and it won't bear fruit, will it? When we are with Christ, we can bear fruit. When we try to do it our own way, without asking what God's will is for our lives, we fail. And not, we don't produce lasting fruit, only momentary fruit, like if you're spending all your time in the gym, you're going to get big muscles. Or if you've got the latest phone, or you've got a nice car or a well-paid job, these are all great, and I'm not knocking out of it. You know, it's important that we have things that we can do. We can, you know, it's important that we exercise, and it's important that we have a nice car. And they're all great. But is it taking up our time? Is it taking up too much of our time when we should be spending time with God? Is it stopping us from bearing fruit? The sooner we realise we're just branches, the better we will long for Christ, who can do all things then we will recognise our weaknesses and realise the need for his strength in our lives. On the other hand of this obedience to God, there's willful disobedience to his word and his will. It means I am not truly following Christ. If we are not following Christ, then life isn't going to work as well as it should. And the end result isn't good. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. The dead branches are cast out, they're withered or burned. And this verse here in verse 6, we think possibly that, that, that Jesus is referring to Judas. As I mentioned earlier, we'd come back to Judas. But it's also a warning to us because in, in chapter 13... Verse 21. <clears throat> this is all talking about Judas. And it says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him. That's 14, verse 21. I don't think that makes sense. Sorry. Chapter 13, verse 21. So this is talking about Jesus, he's identifying his betrayer. And it says, when Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Then the disciples looked at each other, perplexed about whom he spoke. So it's interesting to point out that the, the disciples were asking, who will betray Jesus? Who is it? They were saying. It shows that they were all on the outside, all the disciples on the outside were bearing fruit. They were being faithful, they were being disciples, they loved Jesus. They couldn't pick out who the one was who would betray Jesus. Because from the outside, Judas looked like he was attached to Christ. You can't fool God. You might come to church every Sunday, but you might not be attached to the true vine and be warned. Look what happens to the unfruitful branches. Matthew chapter 13 warns us of a blazing furnace. As we've said, the, the, the branches which aren't attached to Christ, they're cut away and they're thrown into a fire. Verse 3. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. 
what is this word? It's the word of God, isn't it? The word of God is living. It's alive and it cuts deep like a two-edged sword. It's the power of God unto, sal unto salvation. That's why we go into town and we preach the gospel. That's why we share the gospel with people. Because we want to we want to spread the good news. And we, as we've just read in, in, in the Bible, it tells us the gospel. It's the power of the gospel which saves. It says that in Romans chapter 1. And it tells us when people hear the gospel, it's living and it's active. And it's sharper than a double-edged sword. That's what it says in Hebrews chapter 4. That's what cleans us. We've been cleaned by the, by the, the word, by God's word. Verse 4 talks about remaining in Jesus or abiding me. Hold on to Jesus. Keep spending time in God's word and in prayer. It says, as I remain in you, that's his spirit. As the spirit remains in us, or the helper remains in us, the advocate. If we remain in him and he in us, we draw the sap of the vine. The sap of Jesus, we will produce fruit. Fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. You bear much fruit, it says in verse 5. As I've just said, the fruits of the Spirit. Without me, you can do nothing. You can do lots of worldly things. We can be successful in the world, but it's not lasting. This, this, this worldly success is not lasting. Do we strive to be best at our jobs? The best salesperson, the best at college, the best at school, the number employee. Do we strive to please God like we please our bosses and our teachers? When we're with our family and friends, do we keep quiet about our faith because we don't want to upset anyone or offend anyone? These friendships aren't going to last forever, whereas our spiritual fruitness will last for eternity. In verse 7 we read, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By these things we ask, my Father will be glorified. If we have a heart for God, the things we ask for will be pleasing to God. It doesn't mean we ask for a nice car or a nice job or a nice house and we get it. Maybe we ask these things because we're not in the right place with God. We're still seeking worldly things, which are great, as I've said, and they're going to help us get through, but they're not going to last forever. We should be seeking things which are going to glorify our Father in heaven, asking what his will is for our lives, so that we may bear much fruit. That's what it says in verse 8. This is my... But this, my Father, is glorified. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. So people can see we're different. People can see that he's alive in us. You will be my disciples, it says. True disciples will live life-transformed, fruit-bearing lives because they live in a relationship of love with God, with Jesus, and with the Spirit. This next section, verse 10 to 14. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. 
Greater love has no, other, no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do whatever I command you. It's a new commandment that to love one another. It's given us, and it's repeated from chapter 13, verse 34. It must be important because it's repeated it. Do we love each other? Do we think about others? Are we selfish? Do we have an attitude of, I want to do it this way? But what about this, another person? Do we need to be helpful to someone else? We probably aren't the best at loving each other, are we, sometimes? And to love like Jesus, it's a sacrificial love, isn't it? Jesus talks about to die for one another. I don't think any of us are going to have to uh, face that, that choice. I don't think we're ever going to have to choose, you know, to die for somebody else. So we might just think, oh, that's easy to do that, isn't it? To, 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 to have this, to love one another. But it's it, it probably not going to happen, this, 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 you know, the fact that we need to die for somebody else. What about this sacrificial love? This sacrificing our time for others. If there's someone who needs a phone call or a text or a visit or a meet up for a cup of coffee, how will we know? If we listen to God, he can help us know his spirit can prompt us and give us the words to say at the right time. Like it says in this verse, it, remain in Christ so we can be fruitful, so others can see the fruits of God. What about sacrificing our comfort? Pointless having fruitful lives and not using it, not using the fruit to help us, to help others. Do we need to get out of our comfort zones and stand up for who we believe, for what we believe? Do we need to warn people of a possible eternity that they're heading to hell? Are we ready to be used? Are we pruned and mature enough to be used? Are we willing to be used? Are we bold enough to say, Lord, may your will be done in my life? It's not easy. I don't, I've, been, I've not been out on the doors very much because I've been training quite a lot. And when I go out on the doors, I remember this one time I was walking up this garden path and I was thinking, I hope there's no one in. <laughs> you know, I, I, I feel a bit awkward talking to someone, you know, just a stranger. I think maybe I'll just knock quietly so maybe they don't hear the door. And I just thought, I was just walking up this footpath and I heard this voice in my head. It was be bold. You know, it, it's selfish, not, not wanting to tell others about Jesus, isn't it? It's not for my benefit, it's for their benefit. So I was walking up this footpath and I knocked the door down nearly. <laughs> because I've got a message I want to tell people. We all have, haven't we? We all need to be bold. When we look at our gardens at home, does it need tidying? Will it remind us to ask God if there's anything in our lives needs tidying? Are we bold enough to ask God to prune us, to take away things which are stopping us from bearing fruit? fruit? It's fruit which will last, which produces the same attributes as the vine, which is Jesus. Fruit which will help us be like Christ. Verse 11, talk, we're talking about Jesus' joy. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. And what joy is this that he's talking about? Joy of knowing that he was going to be in heaven with our creator, with God for eternity. What an amazing joy that is.
What vine are we holding on to this morning? Is it a vine that's going to last for eternity, that's going to take us in the right directions? Jesus is the true vine. Maybe you're feeling lost. Jesus can take hold of you if you're willing to take hold of him. Trust him. He can lift you up. He can rescue you. I think we're going to sing that in our final song about the love of Jesus, which has lifted me out of a, of a pit. Can we share this love with others like Jesus? Love has lifted us. We can lift others with the same love that he has for us.